Aloha, this is the Maui Nokoi Magazine and Silver Shark Media Podcast. I'm Diane Woodburn, publisher of Maui Nokoi Magazine. And today I have Paula Hegeli, who is president and CEO of Maui Wine at beautiful Ulapalakua Ranch. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. Good to hear your voice. Oh, thank you. Good to hear your <laughs> voice. Be nice to see you in person soon, too. <laughs> I know. Paul and I, um, yeah, we've known each other about, what, 25 years or something? I don't know. At least, yes. We're up country. I'm country ladies for started off and obviously been in business and around each other for a long time. A long time. And it's always, always been fun to be around you. And I learned something new about you. I, I actually looked you up and found out that you were born in Fargo, North Dakota. That is true. I have not lived there since I was four, but I still do have family. And actually, one of my sons, we never planned it, but actually ends up with a career there. So it is interesting. I'm glad I'm not there. There's a reason I love warmth. So you came to Maui in, well, you came in 1990, but you actually came to Hawaii before that. You moved to Hawaii in 1980. Is that right? Yes, that is true. We moved back here. My husband is from the islands. He grew up in Honolulu. So we moved back from Washington State, where I was actually raised, the Puget Sound area, after college, and we moved to Maui in 1980. So in the middle of that, we spent six years on Kauai, which was wonderful. Oh, that must have been beautiful. So immediately, your first, I think probably your first job was with Tedeschi, it was called Tedeschi Vineyards at that time, and you took the position of president of Tedeschi Vineyards, and by 1995, you were president of the company. Yeah, I started um, with the company back in 1990. And, you know, so I'd been in Hawaii and Maui primarily for 10 years, and we had moved back from Kauai at that time, and my husband was involved with one of the hotels in Wailea. Um, They had come up for a tasting at the winery. And just talking to the folks at that time and enjoying our tasting and sitting around the grounds, what the conversation was is that Ulapalakua had been my happy place when we first moved to Hawaii. I have to admit that I was not the easiest transitional person to moving here. I felt, I was one of those ones that felt like really landlocked. I had lived lived my life in Washington, driving everywhere from the ocean to the mountains to another state to Canada, you know, just a lot of road trips and movement. And we were living in in a small little studio, very fortunate to be in Kanapali on one of the resorts there. But I was, I was kind of one of those ones that felt stuck. So one of the big things was for us to take a drive and we would drive to Ulapalakua and that was my big long road trip um, whenever I felt I needed space and I I loved the grounds here it reminded me a little bit of home you know I felt a little bit of Washington here amongst the trees Ulapalakua, I have to interject here that Ulapalakua may be one of the most beautiful places on earth. It is. I I agree. It is I, up it country is really Maui. Magical. It's, it's green. It's lush. It's beautiful views of the ocean. The weather is perfect. It's it is. It's just a, a little golden paradise. And so, like I said, it was my happy place. You know, you go, oh, you can't complain about living on the beach on the west side, but. This is where I felt home. This is where I, I kind of got my sense of place. And so it was a big part of our first few years to make the drive to Ulapalakua. So it was really funny that, you know, 10 years after that, 
I ended up coming to work here. That was never the plan. And I think even at that time, I didn't know much about the winery. That really wasn't part of our journey. It was really to take the journey and to be in the yard and sit under a tree. So the space was very important to me always. So you took over in uh, 1995. And at, at that time, um, again, it was known as Tedeschi Vineyards. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a, not a, a huge operation at that time. No, it was very different, you know, as to what it is today. But again, such an innovative business, right? You know, we, we mm-hmm. both know Party Erdman and, you know, his inspiration to do all of this. And But I did come in at a time just as a part-time worker, you know, kids in school, you know, had a, had a job to do and loved the space and, and the people. I love the interesting thing about what they were doing. You know, I, I just was kind of intrigued by that. Um, and the company was at a time where they were really trying to decide whether it made any sense. And I was there during that time and just kind of energetic about it or interested mm-hmm. in it to go, I I think I was an advocate for just going, this has got to happen. Let's try to make this happen. And I was probably naive enough to be able to say that at the time. Didn't know nearly what I do today or should have at the time, but I think it helped to push it forward and to go, okay, let's just keep giving it a try. I think being naive is a really good trait for an entrepreneur. <laughs> <I think laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. I think if you actually knew what you were in for, you would never leap off the edge like that. No, because you'd be too smart. (laughs) (laughs) Being naive is is an important component. No, it was because I didn't know anything about really the business. I just knew that it was a really wonderful place and idea and concept and good people. It always felt real. It was small then, but today... I mean, you have grown that company. Today, it is comprised of, uh, you have a 25-acre vineyard. You are a 30,000 case production facility. You've got a tasting room, a visitor center, which welcomes, I think you have over 100,000 guests annually. It's a viable and, and vibrant business that you have grown on the slopes of Haleakala. I mean, who, who knew you could grow grapes on Maui? Um, <laughs> I know. We still struggle that. But we just actually did our first harvest of um, 2020 last week, which was ahead of schedule of any year we've ever done it, but it was specifically for sparkling wines. So you're bringing in those grapes. It was our Chenin Blanc and bringing them in very early because you want those high acids and the low sugars for sparkling wines. So our season for 2020 has begun. Wow. Um, you know, and it, that's part of the experimental part and what we you know, it goes back to the very beginning before I was involved is that the purpose of the winery and the support from Ulapalakua Ranch and Pard Erdman, of course, to do this was to develop diversified agriculture, to push the boundaries of those and go, can you do this? And, you know, grapes are something that obviously that can almost be grown anywhere. It's it's really how expensive that it is to do. It's, it's a costly venture. And, you want to be able to put out again if when grape wines are making or growing grapes you want to be able to put out a really good wine with that and the wine can only be as good as the grapes you grow so there's been a lot of passion interest money infrastructure put into really growing the grapes right. that has because that's been our foundation from the beginning has been agriculture right and now you have you have eight estate wines you have four reds a Syrah, Malbec, Grenache. What what's GSMV? GSMV is a blend of Grenache and Syrah. <laughs> <Thank> and <Malbec. laughs> 
<laughs> that makes sense. Duh. Yeah, come on. That's a fun little acronym to roll off your tongue. <laughs> that had to roll into my brain first. Yeah. And you have four whites. You have a rosé, a Chenin Blanc, a Vognier. I can't even say that one. Vognier. Vignier. Yes. Thank you. A Blanc de Blanc. And you have sparkling wine. Yes. That's a, a really exciting, and, and that's something where I'll say, you know, we really have developed over the years, that originally when the winery did start, they had no intention of, or they actually, they realized that grapes were going to be difficult to grow, and one of the things they could do is if they harvested them early, before all the the weather implement or issues of Maui came into play, like really not long summer days, not extreme heats, a lot of humidity, things that really make it difficult for your crop to survive over mm-hmm. a long period of time as you're waiting for it to dehydrate and bring up the sugars and all that. The sparkling wine was a really good fit. And so they started doing sparkling wine. They originally started um, with was the carnelian grape that they had in the vineyard and then ventured out into a little bit with the pineapple as well. But the sparkling operation is really amazing. And in the last, oh, maybe five, six years, and even more recently, just in the last couple, we have redone our entire sparkling line from France and added more capabilities to be able to make more and I think it's just that it's a perfect fit for Maui and Hawaii. And it's delicious. And it's just, oh, it is delicious. Thank you. And I agree. It's, it's kind of my passion for wine. I love bubbles. It makes everything fun. And it just, it, it fits our environment here. And it, it's such a great thing for us to make it in the way we do. Completely old school, traditional, method champenois, bottle ferment, every bottle, including the pineapple wines. Just really a product or a line of our products that I'm a, especially proud of it's called lokilani and i Mm -hmm. I, every year when we do ipono the first toast is with with, with lokilani sparkling wine that is our our first toast for every opening and so it right and that's kind of part of our rose ranch collection of wines is it it's a wine it's a wine that's been developed to fit our location, that it makes sense sitting at the tasting room or out on the porch. And it is in giving respect back to when this was Rose Ranch before it was Ulupalakua Ranch and the Lokilani roses that filled the grounds and, you know, being able to have a a dry, bubbly, but yet pink and fun sparkling wine. um, It's just, it's a great match. It's, it's, it's interesting you talk about place. I mean, when people talk about grapes, they talk about wine, that's always, um, the place is so important, the soil and the air and how much sun and whether it's rocky or how difficult right. it is to grow. And what makes Maui wine, Maui wine? What What's the Maui in Maui wine? <laughs> <laughs> Everything. This makes it so hard. No, um, <laughs> It, it is. We really are very entrenched in our sense of place and who we are. And when you're in agriculture, I don't care what it is you grow, that, you know, the soil you use, the the air, the rain, everything is going to be involved in that. So we've had, well, first and foremost, look at our pineapple wines, which, you know, have been going on since, you know, the mid-70s and always utilizing Maui grown pineapples. So that is something that is so specific to Maui and the quality of fruit and the the, us being able to be partners with pineapple growers to be able to do that and utilize that. So that's certainly the essence of, of Maui and hospitality and pineapple wines. When it comes to the vineyard operations, we're pioneers because even though 
been doing it for 50 years, we still are learning and evolving. And, you know, I haven't found there's no one out there in the world that can tell me how to do it here, which is the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Right. So we make our own mistakes. And again, there's the support of Ulapalakua Ranch, though, is like, are you getting better? What are you learning? Are we getting better grapes? What makes sense? And continuing to push forward that experiment and us now being able to produce and deliver these really great wines that are coming from the soil here. The soil is fantastic. You know, that we cannot question that. It's volcanic soil. It's funny, you kind of go back and look at the wine industry and what sometimes a typical area would have that we don't have. Um, instead of being dry weather, we have humid weather. We may now have long summer days. We don't have the heat elements. Mm-hmm. But what that does give us, I've learned over my years in doing it, is that we end up with this slower growing development in our grapes, which then translates to the, the bottle, of course, and that we develop flavor slowly. We don't develop a lot of sugar and we don't have, you know, higher acids. We really end up developing more of a, a softer side, not a not a real big wine, but in it, the elements of Ulapalakua are there and you end up finding out that you're kind of like, wow, it's just like what they say about food and how that matches going, the food makes sense here, the wine that we grow mm-hmm. makes sense with what the food is here. And so rather than fighting that or trying to be something you aren't, it's like we have all these elements that actually fit and make sense if you let them yeah, happen. exactly. Don't don't ride the horse in the direction it's going. Right. You <laughs> yes. know, and we have these really funny things. We can do blind tastings with people, you know, around the world. And there's these funny characteristics that will continually, you'll sit in a tasting and salinity is something that comes up and shows through our wines. You know, they won't know where they're from, but there's, oh, there's this saline, eucalyptus, mm-hmm. sandalwoods. And, you know, no one knows where they're from, but these are all things that kind of are imparted upon our soil. Yeah, it's what we, it's what we have have to offer here it's what we are and And, so the grape takes it in and so I mean talking about sense of place I mean we talked about Ulapalakua being such a a beautiful area but it's also a really interesting area so when when people come to visit you at the winery they they get not just a sense of place for grapes but they get this historic sense of place you've got the old jail tasting room um, the king's cottage I mean you've had the last monarchs of Hawaii who were, you know, frequent visitors to Rose Ranch. Yes. It's a place with very, very deep history and always a history of celebration and hospitality and agriculture, innovative agriculture. So mm-hmm. back in the 1800s, from there was a dairy, you know, that shipped butter to Honolulu that is currently our laboratory today. You know, we look across at a sugar mill that was one of the most successful sugar plantations that ever existed in Hawaii. And so the area was always very fruitful and innovative in what it did and full of celebrations and people gathering here. So I really feel like that's been a special thing that Maui Wine has been able to do is to keep that part of the history available to people that get to come visit us as opposed to it completely being, you know, a a personal estate or a cattle ranch that you don't have access to. Maui Wine really enables people to come here 
and experience what was then as well as what is now. And they all kind of tie together very well with the same path. I think it's almost a a chicken skin experience to be up there in those 150-year-old trees and those um, the beautiful sculptures by Tim Garcia that yes. he made from from the trees, and the, you know the fact that you're actually you know hanging out in the place where the where the king <laughs> hung out. Right. You know, they, all these things, even our our walkways. You just go. These were the walkways then. You know, here's the cisterns that had the water that they were here, or here's where actually the 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 hula dancers dance for King Kalakaua. You know, it is. It, it's it's really still here, and it's still in the spirit. Um, mm-hmm. And now, so tell me uh, a little bit about the tasting room. You've made a lot of changes lately. Well, we have. It seems like it's always changing, uh, and it's going to continue. We're really working really actively right now during this shutdown time to kind of go in a, a new direction and really enhance what we're doing as well. But the tasting room, we've evolved in, in what we were able to do. For many years, the majority of the years, we had a manufacturer's permit. We were number five in the state. So I'm not sure. I think we were pretty early in all of that and a lonely winery for many, many, many years. But we could not at that time, the laws didn't allow you to do anything other than just sample and a certain amount. And that was it. And our primary wine at that point was pineapple that was mainly being shipped to Japan and other countries more than it actually was sold here. And during that time, it was also the development of the vineyard and the other wines. And in 19, or 2016, we applied and got approved for a craft license, uh, which is a class 18 for any of the you know restaurateurs and stuff out there, which allows us to be manufacturers, but also allowed us to have consumption. And that was really, really important to us as the vineyard wines, the Ulpohu vineyard wines, were all of a sudden really out there getting released. We wanted people to experience them. And we certainly wanted our local clientele to start to know us as more of just, oh, that winery that makes pineapple wine. We also wanted them to go, hey, this is what we're growing. You know, this is what we're doing ourselves. And after 40 years or 50 years, we want to share it with you. It was really hard to do that when you couldn't get any revenue for it. You know, like we just released our 2018 Shannon Blanc to our wine club this week. And I was like, we've got 110 cases. And there's other ones. We were introduced a barrel select Malbec. We've got 44 cases. So it was a real uh, struggle for us to go, how are we going to introduce these wines and get people, get them to go, give us a try, you know, see what we're doing, see what you think of this, if we couldn't get any revenue for it. So the class 18 was really, really helpful to us when it got approved for the state. And it allows us now to be able to have glass pours as well as charge for tastings, which nobody has a problem with. They actually want to be able to taste more wine rather than it being, oh, here's your, you know, your two ounces, that's all we can give you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and so for us, that immediately changed our experience. So um, people know they can they can visit the winery. They can go go to the tasting room, and uh, you can order a flight of wine, so you can taste yes. all of them. And you mm-hmm. can you can also order some little nibbles to go with that. Yes, and or just a glass of wine. You know, so it really broadened what we could do in our service and the experience that people were being able enabled to try our wine. Some of our more unusual ones and limited releases. Wow! So that's that's that is a big deal and. 
So one of the things that you've also been a big supporter of in the community is the um, UH Maui Food Innovation Center. You're yeah. an advisor there, um, a teacher, a mentor, and you've introduced you know, some products to help students introduce products. And tell us a little bit about your role with, with the Innovation Center. It's been exciting. It's, it's kind of one of my soapbox things. And I think it's because when I started working here, you just, in the manufacturing industry, you're so lonely. You know, there's just, <laughs> there's not a lot of manufacturers out there. And so I've always been this huge, you know, hoper cheerleader for more manufacturing. And more partners to be with here on the island. So I've always been involved from back in the Maiden Maui. And of course, when the culinary school opened, we kind of started there with the Ulapalakua thing that we had, which Mm -hmm. was to help innovate and farmers. And I think really at that time, I I was hoping that we would see value-added products come out through there. And you realize you can't do everything. And the culinary school has their own vision and what they're doing. And so when the Food Innovation Center started to take shape, and I feel like we've been talking about it in different ways for maybe seven, eight years in the development, it's really exciting to me. I feel like this is a game changer for Maui and being able to support other entrepreneurs who, like we've talked about, you know, who wants to jump off the cliff into these crazy things we attempt to do. And you need that support system right and to be able to be there to help as a mentor and move it forward also the the winery here itself the tasting room and the king's cottage we have always brought in other locally manufactured things that make sense for us to do and using agriculture part of my thing of of the food innovation is that i hope that this is something that really supports agriculture, because if we can take the part of the farmer's crop that does not make it to the fresh market, mm-hmm. and we're able to utilize that in a value-added product that can then be carried around the world, taken as gifts and shipped, then we're all of a sudden giving that farmer's product that they maybe would have had no use for or would have been tilled into the field, all of a sudden creates value and it creates you know, shelf-stable value and and brings up what that farmer can bring in and recognizes Maui and other places. Right. And for the, our listeners who don't um, know what the UH um, Maui College Food Innovation Center is, is that's a program where entrepreneurs can go to learn how to launch their own food products that, that mm-hmm. they may be producing at home. And bring, right. them, bring them to market and develop them and develop a business plan and become entrepreneurs with their own product. And at right. the tasting room, you carry some of those products and people yep. can actually experience them. Because it is really good. You know, you have people that are making things on their own or they maybe they've been making them for craft fairs forever or they've been, you know, using making grandma's recipe for this and that and helping them to understand how do you take that passion to a business model and then how do you make that business continue to thrive and grow at the rate that makes sense for them? Because that's what it's hard. It's hard for an entrepreneur or an idea to, to scale up, to go to market. Um, what are the things that we can do? And so there's so much support needed to help people get to that part and help them fulfill their dreams of the product. And then the more of those products that are out there, we all benefit. Our whole community does. Right. And we've got hopefully right. more small businesses. We've got other means of of places to work. We have people 
you know, just doing other job ideas and entrepreneurship and manufacturing can grow. Right. In your job at Ulapalakua at Maui Wine, I mean, you, you're a farmer, uh, but you're also producing products. You have a retail center and you're relying on our visitors for the bulk of your sales. So how is this shutdown affecting you? It is really affecting us just like everyone else. But what's kind of strange about it is, yes, the visitor center, the regular retail sales of what happens every day and us having this hub of activity or visitors, that is, of course, completely shut down. But everything else of Maui Wine has not slowed down at all. So, you know, the the difficult part is, of course, you all of a sudden don't have revenue, but guess what? You still have all of your expenses and your operations to continue. This came in like right now, I just mentioned we're we're starting to harvest. This is our busy time of year. This is our expensive time of the year right. when the farm is taking on a lot, needs a lot of labor, requires everything. We could not lose our crop. That's our future. And so we have, you know, put people that were working in the in the retail center and the visitor center is is helping in the vineyard and they're um, they're learning to leaf and to sucker and to hedge and to harvest <laughs> grapes. We need whatever that takes. And the same thing what happened with the seller is that maybe we're not having, unfortunately, the sales go out the door, but you can't stop manufacturing the wine that you have in your cellar it's it doesn't stop and wait for you and for us you know we need to get things to a bottle where they are safe i still have 80 85 percent of my staff still working because we have we have work yeah so i'm a huge believer that you're constantly reinventing yourself and and succeeding and figuring out what makes sense, but this has really given us a time to look at ourselves like the growth you just mentioned. How do we manage that growth better? How are, how do we make this sustainable and even sustainable just within our, our little community of Ulapalakua? And so it's really given us a chance to work on that, on what our vision is for the front of the house and Maui Wines tasting room moving forward. But in the meantime, everyone's working. <laughs> oh, that's that is really great news that I mean, you have less than 15% layoffs. That's that's fabulous. Have you thought about what the future visitor experience looks like? We have. You know, it's hard not to, but this was actually something that was already actively being worked on pre the COVID situation. Um, it was something like, look at our infrastructure and how you know, vulnerable it is in Ulapalakua. And we're a busy operation. We have a lot of things going. We're, we're totally integrated that we farm, we produce, we retail, we wholesale, we do our wholesale. Everything is done here. We do, we can do all of that. And so um, it already was a point where we're having to evaluate and go, you know, what makes sense? What do we do really, really well? That's always kind of one of my questions. Like, am I going, can we do it really well? That's, you know, the direction to go. But on the front of the house side, you know, we've been we've been working on that. But there's been a plan for our future that COVID and the changes, we'll have to adapt to them as operational things. But we're looking to go, how do we want the visitor experience to be here? What do we want to share? And so we've been very much developing the experiences, mm-hmm. uh, what makes sense to us, how, how to utilize, like you said, the old salon jail. And one of the things is going, right. I was going, just thinking of the jail as yeah, you're talking you know, about. How do we keep that? And so like one of the things is we're going to start calling it the estate room because there's a certain amount of people.
people that come up here that don't even know we have a vineyard and don't even know. And so being able to do and keep that, keep that room open that will be very much about the estate wine, the vineyard, the operations, and being able to have that open, it's allowing us to spread out our visitor experience. And it's also being able to offer an experience that someone didn't have before. We're going to open up the grounds that are around the, what will be then the estate room, Mm -hmm. the estate room yard. We see that being able to be something that we just haven't done because we haven't had the time and we haven't known quite how to get it all managed. This really gives us a chance to go, this makes a lot of sense now. And it will be something that will continue and will grow in. Uh, We're going to move to a seated experience or at least a, even if it's a stand-up at bar, it's like this is your area in our King's Cottage and utilizing the space a little bit different, doing a lot more greeting, expanding our area, going beyond the tasting room and the King's Cottage to really an entire area that will be our our front of house experience. More like a, a vineyard experience. And, and then also with the, uh, the state room, I imagine, will be very intimate because so, you'll have some small groups in there. Right. Yeah, and it already is a really intimate <laughs> room. So we know there's only, you know, a, a few pe- people can be in there at a time. And the same thing even with the King's Cottage. All of our buildings were built in the 1800s. I can't change that. Um, well, that's what they are, and we need to actually honor what they are. And so us being able to reinvent, reevaluate the business and utilize these things that are really, really strong to mm-hmm. who we are and our culture and what we want to show and then match an experience that we know we can do really well and provide the guests that do come with that. Why are they here? What what do they want to do in here? What are their options? And and so it's been a lot of fun to actually be creative and, and be working on something of the future, especially during times like this where you can really, as a an owner of a business, you can just go, oh my goodness, you know, you can yes, <laughs> you have those times where it's a bit overwhelming. So it's been exciting to be able to have a project like that to really look forward and and figure out what we can do and and take the opportunities that we are given now to see how to make that happen retraining the staff Um, there's a lot you know some of it is like you said it's operational and there'll be things that'll have to come into place and so many of those we don't know you know you have a sense of a certain amount but there's still so much you don't know. Yeah, but uh, like people still go, "Hey, when are you going to open?" It's like we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and even when it is okay, it's like, "Is Maui Wine going to be ready?" We're going to open when we're ready. When we feel we can do an excellent job with what we we've learned and what we've been able to put together. And right. Well, you've you know, always done an excellent job. Paula, well, I mean, that, there's, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Always been excellent. And, and certainly when I think of you, I always think of innovation. So I, I'm confident that you will find a way and that, you know, the experience at Maui Wine will be even better because you're going to go through some lots of innovative changes and, and make sure that it is. That's that's who right. you are. That's what you do. And, yeah, and, and I think that's our strength, right? You mm-hmm. know, that we can change and uh, continually look forward. And obviously, I'm very fortunate to have this foundation underneath me, which, you know, is certainly strong. And it, and it gives you the sense of stability to be able to risk and, and uh, to make changes. And we've gone through a lot. This has been unprecedented, of course, but we will 
we will endure. We will keep going. We will endure. I mean, you've already proved that you can do the impossible. Nobody thought that you could grow and produce wine <laughs> on Maui and be a success at it. I think that's that's the magic component is that you have made it successful um, because of all of the things that we just discussed. So that no, must make great. you feel good. <laughs> You've yeah, got to feel does. good about that. It is. And, you know, I've just had such a great team and employees and consultants over the years that you want to be able to succeed because of all they've put into it to help it get to this point. You no, know, I have to say congratulations and anxious to taste the, the new wines. Um, put my name on a Syrah. My favorite. So, yeah, we're fun. It's like I said, wine club pickup was this week, and everybody was getting their wines, and those that are home when the UPS driver arrives, they're so excited to get the wines, and we've, we've really put out a great box of, of wines. Hopefully, everybody's celebrating around the country with their Maui wine uh, wines this week. Well, if you can't come to Maui, at least drink Maui wine. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, mahalo, Paula. It is uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, you too. It was good to talk. Thanks. It's good. We'll get together one of these days. Yes, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. You too, Paula. Mahalo. Bye-bye. Aloha. This is Diane Woodburn. I am the publisher at Maui Nokoi Magazine, and today it's my pleasure to have with me Sharon Saunders. Aloha, Sharon. Hello. Sharon, you are a chef, a restaurateur, a businesswoman, a mother, and with your husband, Joe, you've both been generous philanthropists to the American Heart Association and the Maui community, and been you've been involved with Teach for America, I think, um, for the last 40 years as well. Well, Joe and I became heavily involved with Teach for America back about 10 years ago, and I joined their board uh, in San Francisco, and Joe joined the national board with Wendy Kopp. And so my my dedication was in the Bay Area. His was the country. And then Wendy decided to venture off into a, a program called Teach for All, which got best practices from all the different countries that ran similar programs like Teach First in London. And so he ended up venturing off the national board and became chairman of the board of Teach for All, which is a global um, educational initiative. And so what it, did Teach been, for All do? They actually took all the, the best practices from all the different regions like India that has an active program like Teach for America, Teach First out of London, and they they get all these leaders together in edu- educational reform, and they talk about educational reform, how to how to change it to make make things actually work, what works, what doesn't work, and then they take those best practices back to their own countries. So they have conferences to talk about education on a global level mm. and and how it can change your own country by taking those best practices back. So it's kind of a, a guideline, a, a guidance system. It's it's very, very interesting. I would imagine. I mean, having brought up four kids with learning disabilities, I, I learned a lot about what works and doesn't work in the, in the classroom. So, And I, I suppose it's out in the field, too. If you're going out to all over countries, it's not just a classroom environment you're talking about. Oh, no, it's not. It's really interesting to see how different countries face different challenges. You know, but they they all learn from each other, and it's it's really quite fascinating. Joe and I have always been believers that if we can't educate our young people and 
all of our young people and give all of our young people equal opportunity Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to learn, then we can't go forward as a democracy in our own country. We need to to give that opportunity to everyone in the country. So that, you know, we've been very passionate about it and gotten involved in all different levels. Incredible. I know when we first met, I I didn't know anything about that. We first met, we did a, a holiday test kitchen with Maui Noka Oi, Chef Roger Stetler of Taverna, right. which is one of the restaurants that you are involved with. And we did the dinner at your home. And during the course of the dinner, you started talking to me about some of the things you and Joe are involved with. And I learned about a program you brought to Maui called Kids Cook with Heart. And I was so impressed with that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Kids Cook with Heart is? Well, so it's an educational program, and it is designed to help children make better choices so that you increase their fruit and vegetable consumption and decrease their sugar and salt consumption. We thought, you know, here we are, we live in Eden where everything grows, and we should have that available to everybody. Um, In fact, it's not because of the prices. Um, But there are a lot of things that we can teach our young people about eating healthy, living healthier lives, making better choices. And uh, several of the uh, chefs here on island have been excited to go into the classroom and work with the kids. They find it very uplifting. And the kids really look up to the chefs. And it's been this great partnership. And the chefs donate their time. They're, They're willing to go in and work in our schools and work with the kids all on their own dime. And, and so it's really been an eye-opening experience. And the kids seem to love it. They have somebody, a mentor, that they can look up to. And I think the kids have really enjoyed it. And we've seen some of the kids who were exposed to it for the first time in the high school actually make career choices based on their experience with us. So that's right. pretty exciting. And that's a bonus we didn't expect. Yeah, I, I, um, I know some of the chefs that uh, volunteered are folks like Kyle Kawakami, who we've spoken to on this program, and um, Ipono Chef of the Year, Sheldon Simeon, whom everybody knows, and Jojo Vasquez, who just opened a new restaurant in Kapalua. That he's been one of your one of your volunteers. So it's been, uh, it's it, you, as you said, it's been a really well received program. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. That are you, you know, th- these kids now are actually getting exposed to how to eat and how to cook and choose a career in, in the culinary field. So was that an unexpected byproduct of, of the program? It, it really was. We started with an Iron Chef competition in Lahaina High School and formed three teams. And they had to choose uh, items out of a basket, just like they do on television. And then they had to come up with their own preparation. And they did it in teams. I was there judging the competition and we watched these kids do this. And I was so amazed by how into it they were and how focused they were. And so Joe and I had been there that day and we offered one of the kids that was on the winning team. We asked him if he had ever thought about culinary school. And he said, oh, you know, yeah, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't afford it. So Joe and I gave him a scholarship to go to the culinary school. We gave two of the kids a scholarship to go to culinary school. 
And one is now working at Taverna and doing a great job. And the other guy has left the island and he's working at Gary Danko in San Francisco, which <laughs> is one of the top that's, restaurants. That's a pretty big leap. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're not just changing uh, diets, you're changing lives with this program. That's pretty incredible. We now have two more kids in culinary school and, and they're really excited about what they're doing. So... You know, we, we're very excited about the potential for giving kids an opportunity to really change the trajectory of their lives. You mentioned that you were, you were a judge, and I know you're uh, qualified to be a judge because you're actually a chef. You, you grew up in a restaurant family. You're, um, I think you're from Illinois. Well, my grandmother was a formidable woman, and she um, opened a chicken house in 1942, and then she closed it when we joined the war, and she went and ran the American Red Cross at Glenview Naval Air Base through the war, and then wow. came out and reopened the restaurant. And uh, she's in Who's Who in Illinois Women. She was a very formidable woman. And she opened, reopened her restaurant. And then over the years, it changed from a country fried chicken house to something much larger. And our 13th birthday present was a time card. <laughs> <laughs> and so we found out what work was um, at a pretty early age. And uh, we were expected to be there and to work with the rest of the family. And we did. I did everything from bartending and cooking to uh, waitressing and hostessing. So, And at the end of my 20s, um, my father had some health issues and I was asked to go back into the restaurant. I was in banking then and I was asked to go back to the restaurant, take over the restaurant, which I did. So my my time now in quarantine, I'm actually writing the family cookbook. Oh, how fun. So how were you able to start Kids Cook with Heart? Well, you know, being affiliated to the Heart Association was very helpful to get into the schools because if you were an independent program and didn't have a national organization, I don't, I'm not sure we would have gotten into the schools. But because it's a national organization, they were they were very receptive to listening to what we had to do and, you know, pretty much walked in. It was not a struggle to get into the schools. And um, Paris Nabivi was very key in helping us get that done. He had the ear of the principals and the superintendent, and he really helped us get our program started here on Maui and, and kind of guided us through the local politics and um, what have you to get our feet on the ground and running. Paris is a, a, a chef here, for those that don't know the name. He's a, a, a wonderful man, a chef. He uh, owns uh, Pizza Paradiso on the west side. He's won many awards. He is involved in a lot of nonprofits and uh, programs to benefit kids and, and teach them to cook. So obviously he was um, a perfect choice, <laughs> a perfect partner for you guys. Yeah, he's he's been very, very helpful in getting us launched. And and we just moved into Kaolui and got Sheldon to join us in Kaolui. So we're excited about expanding the program, but we want to do it very, very slowly. You know, make sure that we stay focused on what our mission is and growth isn't the only object, you know, so. So how many um, schools are you currently in? Well, we're in the uh, lower school, intermediate school and high school in Lahaina. Mm -hmm. And now we're in um, Pumakea on, in Kaolui. So four. Great, great. Six-week programs in fall and spring. 
And is it during school hours or is it something you have to do after hours? No, we're actually doing it during hours in math class or science class. It's up to the uh, administrator as to whether she wants it in the math or science class. But we need the same group of kids each week for six weeks. So they have to combine it with measurements. You know, if you're in math class, you can combine it with fractions or measurements and and that's kind of how they approach it. And in science, they can talk about, you know, like the grow some good mm-hmm. program. Right. You know, that's the way they've approached it. So the grade levels, I understand, are fifth grade, eighth grade, and 12th grade. So that's from intermediate uh, school to high school. Um, right. And you chose those grades specifically uh, because you found you had the best response from those grades? We actually have had the best response when we get the kids in the high school involved with the Iron Chef competition and that kind of thing. That's always fun. And they get very excited about that. We find that the most reception we get is actually in the elementary school. Because the kids are so excited to, you know, learn how to do things and take it home. Mm-hmm. So they take recipes home, like how to make salsas or smoothies, and they go home and they share them with their moms and everything. The The middle school, you know, middle schoolers are a little more difficult to deal with. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we all know but, that. <laughs> yeah. So, Not so quite as pliable. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, we've struggled a little bit in the middle school, but um, the high school and the lower schools seem to be very, very receptive. And, and this is changing lives because as as you mentioned some of these kids from the iron chef competition have actually discovered that you know cooking is a thing that they love and it's a career path that they can embrace uh and it's uh, we have a local culinary program here at uh maui where you know kids can actually afford to go to a really really good school you're doing something that's actually changing lives i i'm very impressed with it how can people get involved with kids cook with heart well, you know, you can go into the classroom and, and be with one of the chefs, observe one of the chefs, and kind of see what's going on to see if that interests you. And Eva Bonder is the program director. Mm-hmm. And you anybody can um, contact Eva. The number is 808-212-4861 and arrange to go into a classroom and talk to these chefs and and see the kids work and and see if they're interested in getting involved you know i've i've started an orchard i know you're a you grow things too diane and and love to do that and bring it into your kitchen so you know our orchard is is going on five years now and we're starting to see some production out of the orchard and i can't wait to give that food to the kids and so it'll be fun to take that stuff in a basket over to the school and say, here, you know, let's see what you can do with this. We're sorry that the school year, of course, ended this year the way it did, but we'll be back in September and we hope everybody's healthy and ready to have some fun with us in the program. So people can get involved by um, actually going to the classroom and observing your program. They can talk to the chefs. And I imagine that, you know, this program does need funding as well, not just volunteers, but also funding. Yes, we need funding. We, you know, we get some of the food and everything from some of the local businesses donate food. And we do have a couple of people who have been very philanthropic in helping us to fund the program. 
but we do have to pay the director and we have to pay expenses and marketing materials and things for the classroom and aprons for the kids and cookbooks for the kids. So there are some expenses, although we really keep, you know, Eva runs a tight ship and we don't waste money on it. Well, is there anything you'd like to, uh, more that you'd like to tell us about Kids Cook with Heart or what the future is you'd like to, to see this program graduate into? Well, we'd, I mean, we'd love to see it spread over to Pihei and Wailea, mm-hmm. um, but we have to take it in baby steps and make sure that we have the funding for the program. So that's what we've done. So it was it was um, fun to get into Kaului this past year, and we'll just move slowly. And as the funding base grows, we'll try and expand into the other schools across the island. Once we get Maui, maybe we'll expand beyond them. But right now, our focus is Maui. Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's a wonderful program. We appreciate it so much. And if uh, people want to get involved, uh, they can get involved through the uh, Maui chapter of the American Heart Association. Is there an online presence as well that they might be able to look the program up? Well, if they'd like to make a donation or look up the program, yes, they can go online and they can look up the Kids Cook with Heart program. The website is out there and it takes donations. So they can just go to the American Heart Association Kids Cook with Heart. Terrific. And we also actually have a, a... a story on Kids yeah. Cook with Heart in the May issue of Maui no Ka'oi. So there's that Thank as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. Thank you for right. talking to us, Sharon. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye.